Welcome back to the Silent Plus podcast. My name is Josh Watford, and across the desk from me is the one and only John Nicholson. John man. Nicholson. Um, so you may hear some thunder in the background. John or and I are, by. yeah, or the trucks <laughs> going by. But if you hear the thunder, just uh, that's not God trying to get me and John. Uh, even though he may, I don't know. It's possible. Uh, however, there is a thunderstorm going on right now, and uh, that give us some good ambiance in the background. There so. you go. We're all just, about the atmospherics uh, with the uh, podcast. Yeah, here. just don't fall asleep like this. <laughs> you can again. I, it wouldn't upset right. me. Absolutely. Uh, Put it in as you go to bed. It'll be a great thing. You know, just take all this in by osmosis. How about that? Yeah. There you go. So uh, we have just finished up our series on the Lord's Prayer. Right. And on the podcast, we've finished up Lord's Prayer a long time ago in real time. Right. Uh, but for the podcast, just finished up Lord's Prayer. If you guys haven't listened to those, I encourage y'all to go back listen to those. Those were really fun to do. They were. We did it in a little bit different format. Did them in small snippets. Uh, and I believe Casey and I talked about it this morning. By the time y'all are listening to this, you will have already listened to it and know all this even better than I do now. But we're talking about putting it out uh, like three a week. So oh, cool. it kind of cover you know, a couple weeks uh, time span. So just go back through those uh, and listen to those. That was just a fun time uh, to, to listen to your sermons, John, to be impacted by the, the, the scripture itself, and then for us to kind of rehash those in the... Um, and the podcast yeah. is just fun. Yeah, and just, you know, the, this whole idea with this podcast, it, it's been, I, I am so enjoying these conversations with you, because I just enjoy talking with you, Josh. I mean, you're you're a, uh, somebody I've always enjoyed our conversations with, but just unpacking and revisiting these things yeah. has is also kind of helped to, to reseat them in my own life, my own heart, and uh, so it's just been a lot of fun, and we hope that in some small way, they're they're a blessing to you as well. Yeah, thank y'all for listening in. So, uh, finish Lord's uh, right. Lord's Supper. <laughs> I, I told you I was going to say it. Uh, Lord's <laughs> Prayer, and now we are moving into the doxology. Right. Um, and so, this is something that we've sang for a while. Right. But I think, as far as I know, it's the first time we've spent any extended time on talking and really picking it apart understanding where it came from what it's doing yeah. and the purpose for which we sing it every single Sunday yeah we had a, a guest with us the first week of the series of sermons and uh, he said I've been going to church you know for 50 plus years of my life and he said that's the first time I've ever heard a sermon about the issue of doxology yeah and uh, so it's it's something that is scriptural um, you know that was something that we talked about in the context of that first sermon in this series was that you know the that there are scriptural doxologies and where do those come from and how do we process those <laughs> but also this singing of doxology and the one that we are familiar with and it is it's considered if not the most famous among the most famous and most well known um hymns, pieces of hymn uh, that exists. Uh, Thomas Ken wrote this in the late 1600s, early 1700s, put it in its final form in the early 1700s. And uh, it was written as a devotional uh, hymn to be sung. In fact, I got a little quote here to share with you. He and his manual of prayers for the use of the scholars of Winchester College. That's who, what he's doing this for. This is where it appears. Yeah. And he says this, Be sure to sing the morning and evening hymn in your chamber devoutly, remembering that the psalmist upon happy experience assures you that it is a good thing to tell the loving kindness of the Lord early in the morning and of his truth in the night season. 
And uh, yeah, it is. And so he writes these two hymns, and just to rehit this again, there are fourteen stanzas uh, in the morning hymn. I, I never, I haven't gone and looked at the evening hymn yet, but the last stanza in both the morning and the evening hymn are the one that we sing every Sunday: "Praise God from whom all blessings flow; praise Him, all creatures here below, so forth." And uh, and so for three hundred years, that hymn. At least that portion of the hymn has been sung by believers, particularly of, the, of us Protestant stripes. Yeah. Um, there are other doxologies that are known to uh, our more Catholic brethren, the Gloria Patri, uh, in particular. That's a, a, a hymn of praise that's sung in the midst of the service. And um, so, doxology in the in the in the uh, in the course of worship is not something that is novel or new it's as old as the psalms at least yeah <laughs> uh, as we discovered a little bit but we also wanted to intentionally have that space within our worship where we are picking this up and this hymn just fits that role so well for a lot of reasons one it's eminently singable the old 100th is the tune and it's just one that you can kind of hum along with even if you can't sing a lick you know it's, yep. it's just really single so but good. It's also densely theological, mm-hmm. and so it's carrying a lot of weight in a very small package for us. I think it's 25 words total yeah. uh, in this little hymn that we sing, and so placing it in the midst of our worship services is, is a good thing, and uh, and we've talked a little bit about the issue of liturgy, and that's one of the focuses that we're trying to work through this year. Yeah, um, I, I'm... I'm still upset that we haven't sang the entire thing. <laughs> we'll see about that. I, I think we can lean into that a little bit. We, we need to. We need to just do it once, at least once, just just to say that we've done it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying we sing all 14 every single Sunday. Right. But but once we right. just need need to do it. Um, I thought it was really helpful. I don't know if it was the first sermon that you did on it where you you showed. Uh, I don't know if you we sang. We sang the first three stanzas. Yeah, uh, but man, that's 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 good worship. Yeah, just overall. Yeah, and Thomas Kent, you know, just another, you know, just as another reason to go do your church history stuff. He was no spiritual lightweight. I mean, he stood up to kings, um, yeah. and really some pretty impressive stories there with his interactions with uh, King Charles and William and Mary and so forth. Um, and he he was a man of deep conviction and it shows in these hymns that he's writing yeah um so you know it, it's it has earned its stripes it's worth our singing yeah so john why you said it's earned its stripes it's worth our singing why is it worth our singing why, yeah. why do we do it I, I i get every now and then sure why do we do it every Sunday? Yeah, this this again goes to this issue of liturgy, uh, and what is that? That's a that's a big word. So, what is liturgy, Josh? Uh, do you want the yeah? The go ahead. Latin root and the, the <laughs> Greek. Uh, no. Yeah, you unpack it all, Mister Peter. Yeah, no. The liturgy just means our routine of worship. Yeah. Uh, that's that every single church has a liturgy. Right. Every single church has a liturgy, from the mega churches to uh, the highest Catholic church in Rome that you can think of. Sure. Every single church has a liturgy. And um, even the little Pentecostal country church that doesn't print a church bulletin, they just come oh, yeah. do what the Spirit leads. That's their liturgy. That's their liturgy. 
Um, and so when we use the term liturgy or liturgical worship or something like that, uh, that can mean something more high church as uh, like our Episcopal uh, church here in town. You can right. go down there and you're going to have a read and response a lot. You're going to be kneeling and standing and sitting and kneeling and standing and sitting. Yeah, that's a criticism uh, of our worship here is that we sit and stand too much. <laughs> well, they, they need to go try out the Episcopal church. Uh, again, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying it's different. Um, and so our, when we say uh, that the doxology is part of our liturgy here, yeah. um, it is a part of our worship that we think is intentional for the molding of those who are participants. Yeah. Before we leave liturgy, you know, just getting back to that root, you know, liturgy is the Greek word yeah, that we yeah. get out of. And it's, it, it's amazing how it's translated and particularly in Romans where it's this is your reasonable service of worship worship it's this work in worship it's together mm-hmm. they are one and the same we tend to in our culture we have done this as well that Sunday morning is Sunday morning it's its own thing yeah. and we're going to live the rest of our week the way we're going to live our week we're going to go back to the work and then we come back to Sunday well the idea of liturgy is, is no this is our service of worship this is our work it is Certainly Sunday where we do this collectively, but it also shapes how we worship on Monday and on Thursday. And that gets at why we try to do this every week. Yeah. You know, you think about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about it being transformative rather than, you know, just some rote recitation. Um, and that's that's the purpose of going through the doxology as well, because, you know, when we get done with the offering, we're all going to stand and we're going to start singing. And it's so easy to just go the through organ. the motion. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it, it's it, beautiful. It, I, I love it every single time. But it, these are words as well that can just be words that we sing just like any other song that comes on the radio when we're riding down the street. Right. So what we're wanting to do is just pause and slow it down a little bit, yeah. And let's uh, let's let's look at this intentionally, so that in the upcoming weeks, our liturgy, our worship, will become even more richer for doing so. Yeah, and also helping us to see the value in doing it weekly. Yeah, because I, I think, and this is a something we talked a little bit about in the the series through the Lord's Prayer is that the world is constantly molding us, shaping us, putting us into what it wants us to do, how to live, and how what, what should be valued, what should be uh, important in our lives, yeah. and that sort of thing. And we understand, at least on some level, that that's at odds with God's plans. Yeah. So how do we do that? If the world, I mean, because we're constantly being pounded by this from the world, whether it's through TV or social media or just you know listening to the radio or just walking around, you know, I mean, it's constantly pushing us into this mold. Liturgy it, it gives us a it gives us some guardrails, mm. um, some some anchor points or some waypoints. Yeah that give us guidance so that when we start getting this conforming pressure from the world that pulls us back and says, no, there's there's not only a better way, it, there, there is the way that we should be walking in. That's good. And that's 
that idea of transformation in the Lord's Prayer, whether we are conscious of it or not, we have it with us, and it's it's there as a plumb line, if you will. The doxology does the same sort of thing, I think, in our lives. Because I don't know about you, but I find myself, you know, at odd times in the week, not every week, but it's not an unusual thing for me just to be about my business walking around the hall. I'll start whistling or I'll start humming the doxology. Mm-hmm. You know, I may not sing the words, but those words are playing in my mind. So it, it's there. It's playing in that background. It's it's a meditative um, uh, exercise, if you will. Yeah, chewing that cud of the doxology. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So let's get to the cud. Let's do it. Uh, praise God. Yeah. From whom all blessings flow. Those are glory words. They are. And I love that. That, yeah. that was a. That was yeah. A, I don't think you brought that up. The doxology means. Yeah. Glory. And words. that was that was. I'd really never paused to think. Well, what does doxology mean? And yeah. so when I went looked, I, I knew what it was because it's it's this Greek compound word. Yeah. Doxa and uh, and uh, ology. It's or logia, logia. Uh, it's, it's glory and word. And so these are just glory words. These are. Uh, uh, words that just kind of flow and one of the things that I've just kind of landed on and you've heard me through the sermon series and we'll probably hit it again through the podcast but that doxology flows out of theology mm-hmm. because as we start thinking about God the the natural response of our heart is to honor him to glorify yeah. him That's right. uh, to praise him so yeah praising God from whom all blessings flow so the word blessing I don't know there may be some other stuff you want to talk about no, no, this, this is good but I think I think the word blessing is just an interesting word. What, what do you think blessing means? What does it mean to be blessed? What it mean? What does it mean for God to bless us? That is a that's a, a pregnant question. I think there's a lot more that's there. We we tend, I think, to put blessing in the the frame of uh, you know, of the good stuff that has come our way. Whatever makes me happy. Yeah. And and there is a root that goes, you know, makarios yeah. uh, has to do with happiness, but it it's, sure does. It's deeper than that. Um, so, but what makes us truly happy? Yeah, that there's there's the root of that issue. Um, I I think about just a I'm a biblical theology guy, and so when I whenever I ask a question, okay, what does what does it mean to be blessed? I'm like, okay, well, how does the Bible treat it throughout Scripture? And uh, many of you could probably guess the first instance of blessing is uh, at creation. Mm -hmm. God blesses Adam and Eve and creates them in their image, yeah, in in God's image, and he blesses them. And his blessing is to tell them, well, let me just read it. Read it. Uh, Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, okay, I think these are the exact same things. Okay. Okay. So going back to, we talked about exegetical the other day. Uh, I think God blessed them and here is how he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air uh, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then he talks about giving them every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth and so on and so forth uh, and he is showing them what it means to be in the image of God and he blesses them by giving them this job so to speak now go function like I function is what he said or what he's saying to them and so he's blessing them by 
allow, not allowing them, but just showing them how to function as images of him. Yeah. And that's, that's the first blessing that we get. God blesses Adam and Eve by showing them what it means to function as images of God. Wow. And I think I, I'd have to do, you'd have to go back and double check all this. But it seems to be that when someone is blessed, it has to do with this going, going back to this, going back to this garden imagery of being blessed there. Yeah, getting back to Eden. That is so much. I mean, because as you were reading that, I'm just thinking about, wow, how far and how shattered we are since the fall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when Thomas Ken pins those words, praise God from whom all blessings flow, he's recapturing that, that because Adam and Eve, or Adam and the woman, have everything that is needed for life. Yep. We also do. We don't live as if that's the case. We're constantly scrabbling and, you know, struggling for more and more and more. Yep. But God God has lavished on us. He's not stingy. He's not holding back. It's not like we've got to go and pound on heaven's door so that you know, we'll have enough for the day. Yeah. He, he, God's got us. And Thomas Kent is helping us to remember that in this doctrine. And every time we sing it, it's a remembrance of this blessing. Yeah. That's a great insight there. Yeah. And, you know, you jump forward to the ending of Deuteronomy, the, the covenantal blessings there. Everything will go right, right. with you. Right. Uh, it's this wholeness. And, and again, if, even with that going into the land of milk and honey, this is going to be a place of lavishness that God's, yep. God's not holding back. Yep. And it's all using garden imagery there. Uh, and there's so many more instances, instances in between all that. But then, you know, you jump all the way to the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And Jesus said, blessed are, you know, he goes down the whole list, the peacemakers, the meek, uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, so on and so forth, those who are persecuted. Yeah. Um, how are we to function as God's image? And when we're doing that, I believe that's... That's the blessing. Yeah, uh, getting to partake in what God has set this world up for us to live in. It's it's us being. So going back to our studies, this is oh, we didn't do any podcasts on this one, but the becoming whole. Yeah, study. Uh, for those of you who Reformers were part of that, stuff. it was it was so good. And for those of you who were not, I don't know. Do we have any? Extra books. We can around. get you a copy. We can get you a copy. Um, <laughs> and, but it's just talking about being um, reconciled to God, being reconciled to one another, being reconciled to ourselves, and being reconciled to the rest of creation. And when we have those four relationships in harmony, then we're functioning as images of God and how God's created us to be. Yeah. So that that's all that's kind of around the bush arc, but yeah. to talk about blessing. And I just I really truly believe that when God gives us a blessing, that whatever he gives us to be a blessing, it's to help us function in that way better. I, I can wholeheartedly endorse that and agree with that. And and what happens out of that, and I, this is our common experience. It was the psalmist's experience. It's Paul's experience as he's writing and he starts thinking about God. It just wells up and prays. It's something that can't be held back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, so this is why, because when we recognize that moment, that God has blessed, and he's inviting me to recognize that he has provided everything 
He has given everything that's necessary and more. Yep. If I don't say thank you, my goodness, how how crass and how uh, uh, out of line I really am at that point. Yeah, it's, it's a good exercise to think, okay, my blessings, count your blessings, yep. them one by one. All no, right. So, so yeah, that's a good exercise. Take it a step further. Come on. All right. So, uh, one of the first things that always comes to mind when you're standing up on the pulpit is like, hey, what's, what's some of your blessings that you want to praise God? And mine's always my wife. Yeah. I, I love Rebecca. I uh, just enjoy her, and that's that's what I always think of. But you know, it's kind of cliche. You know, everybody's <laughs> gonna say that. And anyways, it may come across pretentious or something to somebody. So, anyways, I just I, I just usually keep my mouth shut on that. But uh, yeah, she is who comes to mind every single time. So, if wh- whatever it is that comes to your mind when you know what's what's something what's a blessing that you're thankful for, name it. Then take it a step further. Okay, how does that allow me to function in the image of God more accurately. Yeah. And man, yeah, that's a list that you can compile. Uh, just thinking about with with Becca, with us being married, the sanctification that happens. No doubt. Marriage, Amen, bro. Uh, Come is, on. Is one. Uh, but, you know, she's just, she helps me see things in ways that, that I need to, uh, that I often miss and so on. So, so but I'm not going to get into all that. But that's what I'm saying with, with this Come, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one, but then think through, okay, here's how they allow me to function in the image of God. Yeah, and I think what our world is saying, you do your God thing, but then come on back over here and let's get get about real life. Yeah. What doxology, this doxology is helping us to do is that this is real life. Mm -hmm. That we live, as Paul says in Ephesians, we live in this God-bathed, he doesn't use those words, but that's the the sense of what he's doing. We live in this God-bathed, Environment. That's where we live. That's the reality that we live in. And when we take notice of it, yeah, whether it's in a relationship or you know, it, it, taking that becoming whole. And man, that was that was a formative and hard. I mean, because it required some brain power to work on. Yeah, yeah. But really formative thought because all of a sudden I do look at my relationship, with my wife. This is an opportunity for me to rightly relate and rightly reflect God's image that I was created. Mm-hmm. When I'm out pulling weeds in my flower bed, that's me interacting with creation and honoring God's call on my life, or you know, wherever else that is. It's a marvel to see that this is this is how it should be, how yeah. it could be, and it's a and when I get a glimpse of it, man, I just thank you, God. Man, yeah. that's just so good. Yeah, and and it takes we, you back to the garden. Absolutely, and and the. The, again, the contrast of, of what this doxology is, is reminding us of is that it's God from whom all those blessings flow. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm I'm bringing anything to the table here. Yeah. I'm just thanking Him for all that He's pouring out on me. Um, and uh, you know, we we are of a mindset in in our culture by and large that you've got to go and you got to work harder, faster, longer than anybody else in order to truly succeed. God says, No, I give you everything you need to succeed. Now yep. live and enjoy it. And that is a blessing. Let me ask you this, and let's, let's kind of turn the, the shade on this a bit, because Jesus does mention in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we see blessing and how do we praise God in the midst of things that aren't necessarily pleasant? Yeah, you know, my first thing that comes to my mind is Romans 8 28 for all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose 
and I've had to hold on to that pretty closely uh, at some times. Now, I haven't been really persecuted for my faith. Yeah, I haven't ever been tested um, to that degree. And so to to Jesus' words there, it's it's really hard for me to to put that in any kind of experiential light that, you know, I, I, I've undergone this, so I've been able to experience this. Well, not yet. Um, I'm not saying it won't ever happen. Right. But, you know, I haven't. But there are difficult things that that happen in our life that we may brush aside and not take the time to try to understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you think about Job. Um, I think we did. We talked about Job. I'm sure we have. Yeah, we, we talk about Job a lot. Uh, but, yeah, the temptation and, right. and all that. That was the last time we talked about Job. But uh, Job could have, in his despair, went ahead and listened to his wife. And cursed God. Yeah. And cursed God and died. He, he got pretty close to cursing God a few times. Sure. Um, but he stuck through it. Right. And whether or not Job fully understood what all was going on, as we do in the text, he did understand that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name. There's that word again. Yeah. Um, he gives and he takes away. But blessed is he. Because from him all blessings flow. Yeah. And holding on to that, I think, is so vital. Because this is not some Disneyland kind of uh, faith journey. Because what we encounter all too often is the gritty realities that the cancer comes calling when it shouldn't. Or, yeah. you know, there's an untimely accident. Or, you know, just stuff happens that it is not in the realm of pleasant. Yeah. But can I see it as blessing? Yes, I can. There are two stories that come to mind. One was recent uh, at uh, Dr. Earl Tew's funeral. Mm-hmm. His son, Mark, uh, who most of us know here, um, was sharing about an experience he had in a visitation moment when a couple's daughter was killed in an accident. And Mark said that his dad goes to this man and they're in his home and he asks him, he says, is God's grace sufficient? And he said it wasn't a rhetorical thing. It was evident that Earl was asking it because this is a question you're dealing with in a way that I've never dealt with and I need to know. And at the moment, the man said, I don't know. But then he relayed later, and Mark said, this was a conversation that only I was really privy to that I even understood. But at the graveside, the man comes and says to Earl two words. He says, it is. It is. Mm. Oh, man, I get chills when I think of that because what he was saying, this is one of the darkest moments of my life. Yep. But I can still praise God. Yep. The other thing I think of, and just thinking about those hard moments in our life, my father-in-law, this was just an instructive, formative time in my life. Uh, and I've shared this story from the pulpit before, but uh, UTL was a, a, he was a good man. But uh, when he was diagnosed with cancer, the last couple of years of his cancer were really difficult. 
And in that pressure, because it was pressure cooker time, you know, it was really some hard times for him. And through that pressure, it, it moved him from being a good man to really being a godly man. Mm. And he would tell you that he would he would bless God for that. You know, he didn't care for the cancer, obviously, or the treatments or any of the other stuff that goes along with that. But he could thank God for those things because of the resulting nearness to him. Yeah. As Paul would say, it was preparing him for that eternal, eternal way of glory. glory. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I want us to be careful that, you know, when we count our blessings or when we praise God for whom our blessings flow, that that is in the light and in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And maybe even more so, and maybe even more poignantly and powerfully in the darkness. Yep. Um, that those blessings and those reasons to praise God come forward. Yeah, that's good. Well, when you said it's not a Disneyland faith, that Disneyland sounds pretty terrible to me. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh, No, I got what you're Uh, saying. Fantasyland. I I have have a different perspective. Island. Uh, That's more that you know everything. I have a different perspective than most people would. I hear you. I'm I'm Um, right there with you on that. Too funny. Just sounds terrible. (laughs) So, (laughs) anyways, John, we're we're right at. 30 minutes. That's great. So, any final comments um, that you, you want to give? Let's just keep praising God from whom all blessings flow. That is, it is a call to worship, and this is the, mm-hmm. the force of it. It is calling us to, it's instructing, it is, it's the imperative. Praise God, do this. Um, and that's something we need to do. And not just once a week, we need to do it a lot. Yep. All right, John, that was fun. Yeah, always is. And we hope to see you all next time. Thanks.